Dungeons and Dopamine. Ta-da! Welcome to episode 14 of Dungeons and Dopamine. I'm Bree. I'm Jess. And here we are again, another week of bringing you dopamine. Here we go again. Ooh. <laughs> I have been waiting for a Jessica solo on our podcast. I'm so glad it finally happened. It only took 14 episodes. I I was expecting a lot more, so actually yeah. it could have gone either way. It really honestly. I feel like I've done some that I've like cut out or before or after we've recorded. Well, now you can't cut it out. You'd have to cut out this whole introductory. Sure. Just start saying important things during <laughs> stuff you don't want me to cut out. And just talk <laughs> over you saying, no, this is important. This is absolutely essential to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I see nothing wrong with that. Nothing. I see everything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> you see this nothing. Is actually against You me. know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing, John just. Snow. Just Snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprise. You married Jon Snow. I would have married Jeff. I'm I'm not sad. Hmm. And he's got a wolf. A dire wolf. Ghost. I could love him every day. Mm-hmm. I would have been a much better partner for him than Daenerys. Oh, yeah. I mean... <gasps> That's a good unpopular opinion. Not that I would have been a good match for Jon Snow. That is not an unpopular opinion. That should be a very popular opinion. It's an unpopular opinion for me because I would have been better for him. Oh no! I guess my unpopular opinion would be. I I I guess maybe it's not even unpopular, but they did her dirty that last season. Oh yeah, because I did really enjoy her character growth until then. But now she's definitely not worthy. They made of her crazy. Jon Snow. I I actually would travel back in time, and Rhaegar. Is that Matt Smith? Maybe, probably from House of Dragon. Yeah, the brother. I think so. The incestuous uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. He's also a doctor. Doctor, not like an actual doctor. <laughs> He is Doctor Eleven from yes. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So I know we only just started, <laughs> and that I threatened all you were ever going to see of Doctor Who is the mannequin episode. <laughs> it's the only episode I am allowed to watch by the universe. <laughs> I am not allowed to be a Doctor Who fan because I will only get to watch the mannequin episode for the rest of my life. And no I, other episodes exist. I adore the Ninth Doctor, who is in that episode. But as far as like becoming a good fan of the show, he takes some getting used to, and that is not <laughs> Doctor Who. I still don't understand how we keep ending up on that episode. <laughs> it's a random season. It's not the first season of Doctor Who. It's oh, what season is it? Well, it's the ninth Doctor. So there have been eight Doctors with yeah. however many seasons. And yet, somehow, every time I end up on that episode, I have seen that particular... I have seen a handful of Doctor Who episodes in my entire life. I have seen that episode four times. <laughs> and we made you rewatch it to, like, get you started. Right. But if you ever make it past that, 
Maybe we'll let you. <laughs> because Matt Smith is the 11th Doctor. Mm. And he is pretty. And, and he he's is fabulous. 100% your type. In fact, as soon as you stopped, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Never mind. She's a Rhaegar fan. Tall, skinny, <laughs> has long hair in the show. I mean, and honestly, I'd have to decide really hard between Jon Snow and Khal Drogo. Real hard. Also, he's everybody's type. True. True. I am. That is definitely not an unpopular opinion. No. That man is pretty. Yeah. And he's funny. Yes. Not Cal. <laughs> I mean, before he died, maybe once. He might have made a joke. <laughs> All right. So let's dope up. Yeah. Time to dope up. And honestly, I really needed some good dopamine this week. I struggled with, I don't know, life in general. But especially finding a topic that, it wasn't that I couldn't think of a topic, I had a lot of, I have a lot of half-formed or mostly written ideas, it was that nothing was really giving me that, that bump, that I wasn't getting doped up. Then I finally settled on one, you'll never guess what it is. It's It's not spiders. It's me. It's Jessica. You could probably I am definitely doing a Jessica episode. (laughs) And I'm going to surprise you with it. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) This is going to be the most embarrassing episode of my life. Yep. I even have old pictures to add. Everything. (laughs) Um, No, so it's not about you. It is... Um, I was looking, I needed something that that would get my focus, make me hyper-focus, but also I wanted some whimsy. So I thought about a lot of different books, and I wandered my bookcases, but I settled on lightning bugs, also known as fireflies, in my defense of why I would probably, most definitely, follow the lights. (laughs) So we're a nature family. We, I grew up out here, kind of in the woods, but my dad has always been the nature guy. And my dad is a bug guy. My dad really likes really basically anything that's alive or naturey, but my dad's a bug guy. Wow. He is the one that will So he has actually found black widow spiders both outside his house and in his house in his bathroom. But instead of panicking and squishing them like I would have done, he keeps them in jars so he can show people. <laughs> When they're not deadly, poisonous, awful spiders, he releases them outside. He also really likes praying mantises and walking stick bugs. So I have favorite bugs that are also those things. And I decided while writing this that when I do get a tattoo for my dad, it won't be Batman. It will be a walking stick bug. Can it be wearing a Batman mask? Oh, maybe. Or like a cape? Yes. (laughs) Maybe I better go with the praying mantis then. Put a little Batman mask on a praying mantis. Yes. Totally in. Um, So this is not about walking stick bugs or praying mantises or more about butterflies and caterpillars. Although I do have some more updates. I have a chrysalis that should be opening soon and another caterpillar forming into a chrysalis probably as we speak i'm probably missing it right now i can't believe you didn't set up cameras (sighs) i I told you to live stream this i forgot to ask my husband okay (laughs) 
So, fireflies. My favorite memories growing up, we spent a lot of time at my grandma's house, my nana and papa's house. We spent a lot of time in the backyard during the summer. They had a small fire almost every night, so we'd have dinner and then we'd all just hang out around the fire. And I had a neighborhood full of kids, so they were always there. And of course, once it got dark, we would catch fireflies. Nana would get us mason jars from her canning supplies, and Papa would help us poke holes in the lids so they could breathe, and then we would run out and catch fireflies and keep them as, you know, little lanterns. I like to believe we let them go at the end of the night. I have a feeling there were probably some dead bugs in jars while I was growing up. I then began to notice fireflies less and less, which I believe is probably part of, you know, just growing up and less whimsy. But also, I moved, I didn't live, I didn't visit my grandparents' house that often, I didn't always live in the woods, I lived in city places for a number of years while I was early adulthood. But the first summer when we bought this house, our forever house, which is way out in the middle of the woods, I remember the first time I drove up our driveway when it was dark enough and summer enough for there to be fireflies and just, I stopped. I stopped in our driveway because our whole woods was lit up with fireflies and driving up our driveway, seeing these lights in the woods made me feel like I was going home to this like magical fairy garden beautiful place and basically my heart exploded that was when I knew that this was the right choice this was the forever house and I know that seems like a lot of meaning to put behind fireflies but I mean this is our podcast and I'm talking about whimsical things so that's where I'm at now I'm going to tell you a bunch of boring things. Well, I'm going to say it's boring things. It's the fact (laughs) parts of lightning bugs. But as we learned with Bigfoot, these things are not boring. These things are ridiculous too. I don't know what it is about nature, whether it's made up or not. But I really knew nothing about lightning bugs. I essentially grew up thinking they were basically magic and that's just where they were in my brain. I never thought about them. You probably haven't thought that much about them. Bioluminescence? It is bioluminescence. Good job. I only know that, I think, because of the princess and the frog. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. He's one of my favorite firefly characters ever. That's right. I mean... A character that is a firefly. Right. Because we know there are other firefly characters. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to make a list of, like, fireflies in movies, because I forgot about the princess and the frog. It's so good. He's so and then mm. <laughs> no, I mean, no I sad happy stuff. Happy and then sad. <laughs> so I use this as an as an excuse to spend some time learning stuff about something that I have always liked, but never taken the time to investigate. And like I said, I bet most of the listeners have not taken the time to sit down and think about lightning bugs until. I wrote this, Connor definitely knew more about lightning bugs than me, and I know that because he once ran into the bathroom while I was taking a shower to tell me that, or to say, hey mom, did you know that lightning bugs start off as lightning worms? (laughs) And then he left. And that was my fun fact for the day. And I wasn't even mad that he was interrupting my shower because, hey, cool fact, 
But also it was like one of the longest, clearest sentences he had ever said to me. <laughs> and he was just so excited about science. More magic. Yes. Of and, fireflies. Yeah. And he's right. All fireflies start out as firefly larvae. Which makes sense because they're bugs and that sure. is a normal transition that bugs go through. But they are... Um, Did they... Do they glow in worm form? They do. What? All of them. Every, so, everything I'm about to tell you is on the Wikipedia page. You can go look it up yourself, but you probably won't take the time because why would you? Because you can listen to this podcast and learn it. Exactly. So, the scientific term for lightning bugs is Lampridae, and they're actually beetles. They're part of the beetle family. And there are about 2,000 different species just of lightning bugs. And not all of them light up as adults. There are daytime lightning bugs that don't light up, and there are nocturnal lightning bugs that do light up. Do you think the daytime ones felt gypped? I would. I mean, if that guy has a flashlight in his butt, and I have nothing. Right. If my fancy cousin had shiny bioluminescent body parts and I didn't, I would be super sad. Yeah, that seems like an oversight. Yeah. Come on, nature. <laughs> <laughs> so, not, not all adult lightning bugs glow, but all lightning bug babies glow. They all start as tiny little glow-in-the-dark glowworms. Do you remember glowworms when yeah. we were kids? Oh, yeah. I think you can one. still get them. Yeah. yeah. I, I never considered that glowworms are, you know, baby lightning bugs. Yeah. I, never, <laughs> I mean... So, wait. Do baby lightning bugs also sing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nature's amazing. <laughs> I have no sources for that, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Absolute certainty. <laughs> Absolute certainty. <laughs> uh, they, science thinks that the emitting of the light is, or at least started out as a warning. So the same way we talked about how you should not eat the monarch butterflies because they're orange and that tells nature that they're toxic. You should not eat lightning bugs because they glow in the dark. So obviously they probably don't taste good. Okay. <laughs> I went to a glow party a f few months ago, and the punch glowed. Oh. And it did taste good. <laughs> <laughs> I am not sure I would have tasted that. <laughs> so did the cupcakes. I did not get a cupcake, though. But the children, because it was a children's party, so I did not rip the cupcakes out of the children's hand. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but they would eat the cupcakes and then because they were children they would have little glow mustaches around their lips and it was amazing gonna need to make a note to investigate glow baking supplies glow, there's like it's a gonna be like a frosting thing or you, a powder yeah or something. you um you can mix it in with the frosting and it glows so you should not eat lightning bugs. Mm, right. They glow because of a reaction and it tells nature that hey don't eat me but they now know that it also evolved into a mating signal and they have actually found that each species has its own like flash signal or 
um, patterns that they do to signal the different things so they are actually communicating and it's not even just like the pattern of the flash it can be where they are what like how high or low they are to the ground Whoa. what direction they're flying in so they all have their own unique language just using their flashing butts which wow. I think is incredible. So, do they have different colors of glow? or They, are they... do. Okay. Mo- I mean, most of them are the standard yellow that we see. But it is, so it's called a cold light. So there's no infrared or ultraviolet frequencies. So you're not seeing these guys with your fancy military equipment on. I know you were wondering <laughs> if you could take and on the lightning next bugs. Next time I'm out in the woods, I'll take my, I won't wear my expensive military now you know that you don't need that (laughs) Um, but the light can be yellow green or pale red and sometimes may appear blue but that's more of like a weird light trick i wonder if that's like a will-o'-wisp how some of those originated and stuff Mm -hmm. well so maybe you wouldn't die if you follow the light see (laughs) i mean depends on if they're wisps or fireflies Uh, Gollum would be really disappointed to learn that you (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) I also learned that some lightning bug species actually lay their eggs near water and the larvae are aquatic they live in the water until they become winged creatures so much avatar-ish and that the larvae are actually predatory they eat other larvae as well as snails and slugs. Some of them eat like plant pollen and plants, but a lot of them are actually predators that feed on other larvae. <laughs> do they eat mosquito larvae? They did not mention that, but I'm going to pretend that they do. Yeah, because then I'm totally... I'm just going to rewrite this whole narrative about <laughs> the lightning bugs. Magical lightning bugs that get rid of mosquitoes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. They also live a stupid long time. So some larvae actually hibernate and remain larvae up to two years or more. Holy cow. Other ones, it might be like seven months, but most of the time they're born in the spring and they live like under logs or in the ground and hibernate as larvae until the following spring when they become lightning bugs. Wow. They, some species don't even have mouths as adults. They live only to procreate and most of them, once they do become the fly form of it, only live a couple weeks during the summer. A lot of them, or sorry, not a lot of them, some of them can get up to one inch long, Holy some of the species. Cow. And many of the females actually kind of remain in almost a larva form. Either they have wings that are too small to fly, or they don't have wings at all. So they actually have to do their mating ritual from the ground or wherever they live. The light production is from the bioluminescence, and we also see this in like the the scary anglerfish that lives at the bottom of the ocean. Going back to the communication and the signaling with the lightning butts, <laughs> there are some species that synchronize their flashing. So it's mostly in like, I think it said South Asia, like more tropical climates, but there are actually, the species also exists in Elkmont, Tennessee, and a place in North Carolina, South Carolina. So 
for my 38th birthday, we're going to have to travel to Elkmont, Tennessee, because they have a whole event that happens to happen around the first week of June, which is my birthday. They should invite us. Yeah. As our podcast. And we can go sit in a field and watch all of these lightning bugs blink in synchrony. It's I'm it's so, so popular in. that they do a lottery for parking spots. So I had to put it in my calendar next March that there will be an announcement that I have to register for to try to get like a parking pass for these events. And if I win in this lottery, we'll be able to go down to Elkmont, ten- Tennessee to watch the fireflies blink in unison. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. Right? I'm stoked. So I, I don't know if they'll invite us because we have one podcast episode about fireflies, but please do. I'm just going to mention one fact about fireflies in every one of my and episodes. Elkmont, now. Montana? Yes. No. Tennessee. In, oh, Tennessee. <laughs> I actually have family in Tennessee, so we could visit them too. Yeah. Perfect. We'll just do a whole traveling summer podcast. Oh, that would be so cool. It would be cool. All we need is to get, like, we were popular, and then we can go visit places. Yeah. And, and have live events. I work remote, and, so I can do that. And we'll be so famous you won't need a real job anymore. Yeah. It's fine. Totally fine. Manifesting. If you say it, it will happen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There is a species of firefly that kind of acts like the praying mantis. It does not mate with the male before it murders it, but it actually learns to fake the patterns of other species to lure in the male, and then it eats it. <laughs> so these lightning bugs are kind of badass. They're, They're smart. They are not just these nice little lantern bugs that we have been associating with whimsy and and calmness for our entire lives they're they're out there eating other larvae and attracting men in just so they can eat them i feel like this should rewrite the owl city song (laughs) (laughs) 10 million fireflies run or they'll eat your eyes (laughs) yes I'm going to parody that song. Our next episode will just be us singing. It'll be so work on that. You wanted, you wanted my solo there. Mm-hmm. See, we just had to have the one little break in, and now it just became a music podcast. We have to sing every episode. I still think we should just put our episodes in 1.5 speed. That's freaking brilliant. <laughs> Sound like chipmunks. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So, fireflies have been around since the time of the dinosaurs. They've been here for a very long time. There could be a whole Jurassic Park movie about the amber that they, or the genetic tissue found in the amber, except they would just create lightning bugs that fly around eating larvae and (laughs) male lightning bugs and nature (laughs) and freaking uh, you out by suddenly synchronizing their blinks so you're walking through the dark woods and everything's just blinking at you this could be one of those b horror movies where they like start synchronizing messages like (laughs) we're coming for you it's sos but only one character knows because he (laughs) was in the coast guard 
and it takes him a little while before he pe- picks up on the message and he's like we have to get out of here they're sending us a message yeah I'm, I'm it's gonna be horrible mm-hmm. I don't want to see it at all <laughs> I'll help make it but I'm not going to do it <laughs> right I'm gonna watch it later so and unfortunately I started to see less lightning bugs because there are less lightning bugs they are starting i don't think they're on the endangered species list yet but they are approaching it and it's for many of the same reasons that we're losing the butterflies we're urban sprawl we're destroying their habitats we're building houses where they would usually live climate change is kind of screwing things up um they also they actually use lightning bug bioluminescence for medical research on some things so there was probably like a over collection while they were trying to study them trying to understand how they work and actually light pollution is a problem for them because they can't live in cities if they're the type that use the signals to mate right because they can't find a mate if it's too light to see them all the time they did say especially the species that live in the day that live that wake up in the daytime that are (laughs) awake during the day they do give off like a pheromone okay but it is now overshadowed by this blinking light message that most species have so light pollution is is pushing them out and there are conservation efforts starting i don't know how conservation efforts work with also the medical research I don't know if at this point yeah. they've like figured out how to recreate the bioluminescence without actually or if they needing breed. to use them or if they're breeding them in captivity to use them or how it's working. Wrapping it up already, it's a little bit shorter topic. I wanted to talk about the mythology behind fireflies. Ooh, this and is Jessica territory. There wasn't as much as I thought. It's a little, <laughs> it's kind of like your Bigfoot was. There are a lot of different things going on. So the good parts of it, like in Japan, the emergence of fireflies can signal changing of seasons. They actually build entire parks for viewing fireflies in Japan. So, like, the special event in Elkmont, Tennessee, in Japan, they just build parks where, during certain seasons, you go just to watch the fireflies. It's, like, why the park is there. There is a Japanese sword that is named Hodorumaru that was made in the 14th century that was named for a legend that its flaws in the swords are fixed by fireflies every night and in asian culture in general a lot of there's a lot of beliefs about like ancestral spirits showing up in fireflies or like when you burn a fire and the sparks that fly away it's you know spirits and it's the fireflies and they're carrying things other places ancient chinese manuscripts actually talk about fireflies and that it was a popular summer pastime to catch them so it's not just a midwestern summer thing like it's been happening since ancient chinese times there's something really maybe tranquil about that Mm -hmm. like knowing that a child and ancient china thousands of years ago ran around giggling and catching fireflies the same way you and i did in the summer and like our kids do yeah isn't that crazy wow i love that 
And the Native Americans had firefly folklore as well. Um, and it actually goes back to the trickster, except this is the trickster fox, not the trickster coyote. It says there's an Apache legend in which the trickster fox tries to steal fire from the firefly village. To accomplish this, he fools them and manages to set his own tail on fire with a piece of burning bark. As he escapes the firefly village, he gives the bark to Hawk, who flies off, scattering embers around the world, which is how fire came to the Apache people. As punishment for his deception, the fireflies told Fox that he would never be able to use fire himself. I love that. In ancient Amazonian mythology, firefly light came from the gods and provided hope and guidance. In Japanese legend, two species of fireflies are associated with the ghosts of the Minamoto warriors and the Taira warriors, so they're associated with with warriors. There was a small reference to the Roman god Diana, Okay. and her, she has something to do with fire, I think, as well, so fireflies. And then when it gets to Western beliefs, oh dear, <laughs> there's just one small sentence, and I feel like this in company encompasses Western culture to a T. It says in Western culture, fireflies with their transiently appearing and disappearing lights are associated with such distinct and even contradictory significances as childhood, crop, doom. Elves, fear, habitat change, idol, love, luck, mortality, prostitution, solstice, stars, and fleetingness of words and cognition. I gave up on that whole sentence. I did not even try to dig into what we have managed to come up with that would make fireflies and prostitution make sense. Let me tell you this. When I think of fireflies, whenever I see them, I think back to my childhood. And then prostitution. <laughs> it, hand in hand. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What and, the heck? And um, <laughs> doom and elves. I'm going to sing the doom song now. <laughs> so that's Western culture for you. We think fireflies are the bane of all evil and really good things too i mean i guess we are huge (laughs) and a melting pot of culture yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so maybe that sort of came into play with it that's so strange (laughs) right Uh, okay one thing we are doing really cool mostly in western society is the medical research so the Luciferin, which is the chemical or the the whatever that makes the firefly glow, is being used in cancer research. So they're actually using the methodology be, between this like chemical re- relationship to study tumor growth and ca- cancer, how it grows and how it moves. They're also using it with plants. So they are putting it in plants in a way that you can tell like when a plant is damaged it'll glow there so before it was the research it's the same researchers that found out certain plants will like back up if you touch them or they'll like react so kind of learning that plants react similar to how other beings do so now they're using this 
glowing material to use on plants and you can see that even if you like damage a leaf that glow will move throughout the plant so you can it transfers the pain transfers the energy I don't know it sounded like another step to creating a zombie apocalypse to me they're like <laughs> mixing the yeah and the <laughs> thing from the basement from the goosebump books like maybe they're going a little bit far with that <laughs> And last but not least, just the, um, there's a book, there's always a book. This one specifically, the first one I thought of is called Firefly Lane, and it's by Kristen Hanna. It's one of those books I remember to this day, and I know it was at least nine years ago that I read it, and I think about it probably weekly to this day. They just did a TV show based on the book, it changes it a little bit, but it's actually a pretty good show as well. I like Kristen Hanna as an author, and it's one of those books, it's a, it's a fiction book about like growing up and friendships and families and creating your own families based on who you need in your life and who is there for you. And then you can't talk about Fireflies without talking about the show Firefly with Nathan Fillon in it, and if you have not watched it, you should just finish this episode and go do that because for some reason they canceled it and there will never be any more but it is a wonderful show i have never watched you've never watched firefly i know it's right up your alley i know it's like made for us but i'm sort of resistant because i know that it ends and then it'll never come back also Nathan Fillion plays a character in a video game that I play regularly, something that Ryan and I play together all the time, and his character died, and I, I'm <laughs> so mad at Nathan Fillion, he didn't have the choice, but it hurts me every time, <laughs> I cry, still mourning, <laughs> I absolutely, his name was Cade, he's from Destiny 2, he was the best character in the entire show game and I still mourn him I still wear like a piece of armor that is for him and I use his gun (laughs) I'm pretty mad at Ethan so sorry I brought up that painful memory for you you. I was really trying to end on a high note there ripcade ripcade so there was some whimsy there but we've ruined it Sorry. <laughs> and you know what? The lightning bugs kind of did this to themselves. <laughs> they are not whimsical. But I'm still going to stand out on my porch later and just enjoy that I live in a magical fairyland. Perhaps you should wear glasses. <laughs> just imagining my husband walking out and I'm standing on the back deck wearing safety glasses, happily staring off into the woods. Willow tear in your eye. Glasses messed up. <laughs> I think that it's really cool that I think it shows that we we value light so much mm-hmm. as just people as humans we all think of them as mystical because we gravitate to light mm-hmm. and even as a like, even as a night owl I can really appreciate the light whether mm-hmm. it's like the light from the stars or the fireflies or but I think it shows humanity as a whole like not just like digging deep and getting all weird and stuff like that but just humanity as a whole how much we appreciate the light Mm -hmm. and 
That's also part of Destiny. <laughs> and and it reminds my other Firefly interaction. So last summer when Ralphie got lost. Mm-hmm. So my little dog who has lots of medical issues. He went missing one day off our property. And he was gone about 18 hours. And I thought for sure I had lost him forever. But he was returned. He, but the night he was missing, I obviously did not sleep. And came outside... It was dark, must have been 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And we have probably used to be like a logging road or something. It's just a very wide, almost two track. And I ended up on that trail in the dark by myself with just the fireflies. And I remember being out there and thinking, this is, this should be creepy. Like I should not be this calm wandering through the woods by myself in the dark looking for my missing dog. But it was almost peaceful. It was probably the most peace I had felt since I realized Ralphie was missing. And probably really what kept me calm that night is just being, like you said, something about being drawn to the light or just the hope that being in this whimsical fairy light situation. Oh, I forgot the weirdest fact about them that (laughs) that helps make them light up. They have to have, they call it an abdominal trachea because that reaction requires oxygen to happen so they have a trachea on their abdomen that breathes in oxygen to cause this reaction which is still kind of magical i don't know that one freaks me out a little (laughs) (laughs) but still don't follow the lights Fine. <laughs> you could follow the light bugs. <laughs> but, but Unless not... they spell out words. <laughs> I'm going to learn Morse code, too. <laughs> I, I know SOS. I can teach you that. <laughs> what would you do if the lightning bugs were flashing SOS at you? What do they need help for? I'd put on my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for my eyeballs! <laughs> <laughs> this is a trick to lure me out so you eat them. <laughs> It's probably it's probably that that species that's trying to lure you in. And you're trying to get me to go to a sh- <laughs> like a whole state bulldog. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> We're being lured all the way to Tennessee by these bugs. Take a good look at your family because it's the last time. <laughs> I'm gonna need someone to draw me a very scary looking lightning bug. Landing on an eyeball. <laughs> like, I have this guy on TikTok who could absolutely draw that. In like a white windowless van that says free candy on the side, but it's like free whimsy. That would be a far side comic. One yep. billion percent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mostly love your top this week. <laughs> It started out okay, and then those bugs got weird. Yeah, despite the angsty, raging bugs and the reminder that Cade 6 is dead. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Nathan Fillion. I hope you can bring us up, because all I did was bring you down. So I have a really weird topic this week. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, So I talked about Bigfoot last week. Mm -hmm. And... I thought I wanted to kind of keep up a theme. I like themes. You I do like, like themey themes. parties and themey rooms in my home, and even my wedding was themed. Mm-hmm. My life is a production. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
to continue this theme, I decided to research the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> and this might be my favorite episode. <laughs> if you were really unsure on what you were getting into, this Here is the are. episode to just prove it all. This is the episode when you recommend our show to your friends. This is the one they listen to so that they get a feel. Yes. Um, not, you know, like the Titanic, which was a great beginning episode, or like Monarch Butterflies. No, definitely one. the Firefly Kraken episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I just want a Firefly Kraken drawn for us. A hybrid. Okay, so anyway, mm-hmm. I researched Krakens. Turns out, well, no, let me not spoil it for you. All right, no spoilers here. No spoilers. So, hundreds of years ago, people started setting sail. They wanted to find new resources and trade routes. They wanted, like, to get out to new lands and start new. They didn't want to be in monarchy, wherever they were. Mm-hmm. So they started sailing out, and a lot of people were on the oceans. Now, because they didn't have what we have today, the communication, the technology, even the way to store food that we have nowadays, a lot of times they would start running out of supplies, they might have hit hard weather that kept them somewhere, like in the the Bumuda. (laughs) Or like... The folklore of the Bumuda. The Bumuda. It's a beautiful Bumuda. (laughs) Or like within the Bermuda Triangle, where the the lines meet up, the, they, there's no, no wind. So they couldn't move until they got lucky. Mm-hmm. So they'd start to run out of supplies, and they'd start to get, like, kind of wild. Like, their minds would start to desert them. And especially if they started drinking the salt water, that really screwed them up. And they didn't see some of the things that we have access to. Like, if I want to see a manatee, I can Google it, and I can find thousands of videos. I might be able to find a, like an aquarium nearby mm-hmm. that I can go to tomorrow to go see a manatee. Right. I might even be able to feed it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but they couldn't do that back then, so they had a lot of pretty wild things happen. So as they started going out, the myths and legends of many creatures were born. Krakens. Um, the mermaids, sirens, Mm -hmm. kind of just breaking off of all of those. So the Kraken is actually a Nordic folklore. My people. (laughs) Yes. No wonder you were drawn drawn towards it. I know, right? He called to me. It was his siren song. (laughs) You see what I did there? The siren of the Kraken. (laughs) The Kraken song. That doesn't sound as good. He's a sea creature, very obviously. He is a giant cephalopod who appears between Norway and Iceland. Now, stories of the Kraken can be traced all the way back to 1200 AD, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There are stories of him. I'm just going to read off some years that I found stories. 1700, 1734, 1801, 1839, and climbing through to now. Really? Yes. So, I guess I thought it, because I don't remember hearing about Krakens when we were younger. Like, I remember hearing about 
Nessie and Bigfoot and other mythological or possibly true creatures. I don't remember the Kraken. I th- I guess I thought it was like a new movie thing. Right, right. Or just a story. Yeah. 1,000% just a story mm-hmm. that it was in a book. Um, well, Victor Hugo actually wrote about the Kraken. And he's kind of credited as the first one to introduce it to French culture. Okay. Uh, which I just thought was an interesting fact. It doesn't actually have any bearings on anything I'm talking about. But I liked it. Mm-hmm. One of the very first mentions of a kraken was actually a Norwegian bishop who explained a large octopus who was capsizing ships, which is a kraken, essentially. Yep. yep. Uh, the kraken does eat humans, and if he cannot wrap his very large tentacles around the ship, he will swim swiftly in a circular motion around the ship to create a maelstrom to bring the ship down to the bottom of the ocean. Now, the Kraken is said, and I did not know this, I know very little about the Kraken, Mm -hmm. kind of movie stuff. Uh, The Kraken is said to be followed by a bounty of fish. And so, hunters, no, fishermen, (laughs) hunters had nothing to do with this. Hunters do not care about the Kraken. (laughs) Whatsoever. (laughs) The fishermen, who were brave, could get near the Kraken and catch a huge bounty of fish, and then get away without being in trouble. But, if you did see a surge of fish coming up toward the surface, or quickly leaving the area, or if you saw a surge of jellyfish, weirdly enough, and bubbles, it was a sign that the Kraken was coming for you. Which I thought was interesting because it's probably related to like whales right i could see bubbling Mm -hmm. um jellyfish swarms just kind of go along with ocean ocean yeah and so like they might be an indication of bad weather or rough tides which makes a lot of sense. fair yeah and that's when boats get disappeared exactly and then of course the schools of fish leaving could be whales uh, sharks, yeah. anything in the area that that might be a time for them to go. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. They have to go to school in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never been so ashamed of myself. <laughs> so um, now the kraken, despite knowing the signs of a kraken coming, they're very fast, and you could not escape one once it targeted you. The kraken is mentioned in Greek mythology. Now, I have two things to talk about with Greek mythology, because no one actually says that these are a kraken. There are two different stories that can be attributed to a very large, frightening sea creature. This fact you'll probably like. The first sea creature that is kraken-like is Scylla. She was said to be created by Hades. I was, I was thinking I recognized that name. Yes. Hmm. Love so, me some Hades. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. <laughs> so, um, Sila lives in a narrow channel. She lives on one side of it. Opposite of her counterpart, Charpdis? Mm, I probably shouldn't have tried to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but they... They make it so sailors who are going through 
have to pass dangerously close by one or the other. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they would take down the ship, because that's what they do. That's what they do. The other story is Cetus. Now, most Cetus stories that I saw did not call him a kraken. They called him a sea serpent. Oh. But I wanted to put him in because one story did specifically call him a kraken, and I didn't want to leave him out if he was a kraken. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's a really cool story. (laughs) This is a story about Andromeda, who is a very beautiful woman who is the daughter of Queen Cassiopeia Mm -hmm. and King Cephas, or Cephas, Cephas, Mm -hmm. we'll say Cephas. Um, They're the king and queen of Ethiopia. Now, the queen is very vain and boasted about her own beauty to anyone who would listen, saying that she was more beautiful than the Nereids, who are the sea nymphs. Mm-hmm. Because of that, Poseidon got ticked. So, as he does, he does do He's that. He's kind of a jerk. He would be the one I'd choose, though, because, you know, the ocean and stuff. Right. You would. I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm done with Hades. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably be my second pick. True. Especially if he's tall and skinny. Long hair. <laughs> he was such a type. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, to appease Poseidon, this queen, <laughs> Cassiopeia, chained Andromeda to a rock so that Cetus could eat her. What a jerk. Right. Can you, like, seriously? <laughs> Can no. you not? Could, exactly. <laughs> could you get your stuff together? <laughs> so, she was saved, and well, her good. love, Perseus, used Perseus. the head of Medusa to turn Cetus into stone. Um, they would get married, Andromeda and Perseus. Okay. And they would go on to have another Perseus. <laughs> <laughs> and he founds Persia. And then she is actually the great-grandmother of Hercules. Oh. Andromeda. Okay, yeah. So that was kind of a fun fact. I mostly recognize those names from um, Constellations. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Cassiopeia and Andromeda Cephas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recognize most of them from Percy Jackson. <laughs> well, yeah, there was that too. <laughs> so, there are pretty much no stories current of a Kraken. No modern day stories. No, no one's seeing this guy. They're anymore. very old stories. They're very much, you can tell they're very much inspired by something. And that something is a real-life creature, and it is a giant squid. But the fact that this is not a kraken does not actually make the creature any less terrifying. It is really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So the giant squid remains still to this day a huge mystery. The first photo of this animal in its own habitat was taken in 2004. That is not that long ago. Very, very not long ago. Because we have not been graduated for very long at all. Sprinkler. (laughs) (laughs) But that's 
in science science thinking that is so close yeah and we have known about the giant squid before that i mean we know um one of the most known facts i think is that they are food for sperm whales okay yeah and they're very both animals actually are very deep dwelling animals um i i really wanted to find how deep this squid could go but i i didn't find it i'm sure it's out there (laughs) but as deep as they can find (laughs) i sometimes when i'm researching these you run out of time to get all the details you want to throw in and yeah we have to keep it shorter because we already have to cut out so much of these episodes (laughs) every week we're like we could get three episodes done this time, and then all of them take four hours to record. We didn't even get started today until an hour after I arrived, <laughs> so we were just being ridiculous. Yep. So, 2004, this Japanese team finally got a picture of them in their own habitat. The first document. It was super cool. What a great scientific study. Yeah. As with all squid... They have what's called um, a mantle, which is their torso. So if you think of a squid, you kind of think of that, like, for me anyway, I think of that pointed top and then like a rounded bottom and then Mm -hmm. the tentacles. That part with the pointed top and the squishiness is a rubbery (laughs) torso. That's where all their organs are going to be. Then they have, they have eight arms, tentacles, and then two really long tentacles. So they have ten tickles. Tentacles. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I liked that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Necessary. <laughs> it was. Um, each of the... All of the tentacles, all ten of them, have little suckers on them. And the little suckers are attached by a stalk. And on the suckers... I'm getting really close to the mic. <laughs> I have to show you. On these suckers. I brought you one. <laughs> <laughs> On these suckers. I've started collecting. <laughs> it also sounds like I'm being like, On these suckers. <laughs> Just starting to lose all meaning. So On- the title for this episode is Better, Better Than, than Suckers. suckers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than dum dums, but I don't know about blow pops. <laughs> um, so on the each sucker, every sucker has a ring of serrated knife-like chitin. So if they sucker you, <laughs> that is a fun sentence to be careful with. <laughs> if they suction. Onto you. I slapped the cab- countertop for, for like the umph. Umph. <laughs> very dramatic <excited>. effect. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knew this, but I am very excited about sea creatures. I'm very passionate <laughs> about them. I would have been a marine biologist um, if I hadn't made poor life choices. So <laughs> college was stupid. <laughs> so it was getting married early. Not to Ryan. Yeah. I didn't do that. He was good. Anyway. So if you get suckered by these, <laughs> they stab you with serrated knives. And then they hold on to you. With ten arms full of knife suckers. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> They're 
Lightnings are terrifying. Way worse than the lightning bugs. Yeah, uh, well. <laughs> uh, so, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> and that, and they do, they have these to hold on to their prey, so it does make sense. But <laughs> they, they fight a lot with the sperm whales because sperm whales eat them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we photograph or if like a sperm whale carcass washes up, they have circle wounds on their bodies because they fight with these squid. That's terrifying. I know. And whale skin, for anyone who's not a freak like I am, whale skin is very tough. Right. It is rubbery. To cut into this, you would need... A knife. And maybe like stabbing your leather couch right. with a steak knife. Serrated steak knife. I mean, they're not as long as knives, obviously, but still. Still, ten arms were <laughs> full of suckers that are stabbing. So. Jessica would make a great Kraken. <laughs> She's ready to take Just her ten. To- and sucker her knives. <laughs> I'm basically made for this. <clears throat> so, the squid not only has these little knifey suction cups, but they also have a beak, like a bird. But, uh, what did I write here? Um, <laughs> like a bird, but an angry Dabby bird <laughs> who lives in the depths of the ocean. <laughs> I would like the social media post for this to be a definition. <laughs> Kraken like a bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess uh, this is the most I've like <laughs> felt about a topic ever. This is the most excited <laughs> you've been. <laughs> so they do, of course, on top of all that, also have ink. Like, oh, yeah. So and they're ink. also blinding you. Oh, <laughs> you guys made me ink. <laughs> <sighs> they grow between 30 and 43 feet long which is larger than this camper twice (laughs) and the largest they've ever found was 59 feet long but there have been reports of even larger ones (laughs) never going to the ocean ever again (laughs) and they're actually the really weird thing about them is that they're really light for their size. They're about 600 pounds, which is very light, because that's... Considering this 40 feet. Is, yeah. yeah. And that's because they're compacted into that torso, and just their long murder tentacles are, are the size of them. Right. But that doesn't make them any less terrifying. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this camper weighs like 7,500 pounds and when it's loaded. Can't you imagine how fast they would be at 600 pounds? 
That's terrifying. It's... These... <laughs> was not expecting to unlock a new fear tonight. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> Ryan is already freaked about the deep ocean. He's never going to go on a cruise with me. Right? So, if that's not enough to freak you out about these things, they live in the darkest, deepest, coldest, creepiest parts of the ocean that we don't know anything about. They're also cannibalistic. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> They're hanging out with those angler fish. Exactly. Freaking everybody out. And what's really fascinating about them is that we don't know everything there is to know about them. All we know is mostly what dead carcasses can tell us that have washed up on the beach and what we might find in a predator's, which is pretty much a sperm whale, stomach. Like, we found a lot of their beaks and stomachs because mm -hmm. they probably take longer to digest and stuff. So we don't even know what all they're capable of. Do we know how closely the squid and the octopus are related? They are both cephalopods, but... That wasn't something I honestly found in my... I'm very... I really want to know the answer to that question. And I could probably do a whole nother podcast on this. <laughs> so, I... Uh, it was probably on Reddit that I read. <laughs> that if you want a pet octopus, you have to actually give it puzzles every yes. day. Yep. Because they are so smart and so bored that if you don't give them enough to do, they'll figure out how to escape. And if you make it harder, they'll just keep trying to figure it out because they think it's a puzzle. And if you somehow get them in a cage or an aquarium that they can escape from and you don't give them puzzles, they will eat themselves because out of boredom. They like hate their lives. They're like they're throwing a tantrum like a kid. Yeah. They have, like, the intelligence of a five- or an eight-year-old child, and they can hold their breath. So they can... There was... This is one of my favorite stories. I went to the aquarium in Mall of America in, the, in Minnesota, and I did the behind-the-scenes tour. And they talked about an aquarium. It wasn't them. It was another aquarium that had an octopus. He was very smart, and every night they noticed that some fish were disappearing. They could not figure out how or why they were disappearing. But they weren't carcasses. They weren't in the filters. It wasn't like they were dying naturally and being sucked up in a filter or something. Or even if like they were being eaten bones by the other fish. in their aquarium. Yeah, they were just gone. So they discovered that... <laughs> they discovered that this octopus was getting out of his enclosure going to the fish enclosures, <laughs> eating them, and then going back into his and closing himself in. He was like, snack time! Yes! They're freaking scared, which... So, if they're that... If an octopus, if octopi, are that <laughs> smart, and probably closely related yes. to these squid, kraken, monsters... How what if they're even smarter? Exactly. That's so scary. They're like, we're not bothering your ship because we don't even care about you. We could rip your ship apart and drive it. <laughs> 
I will post some pictures when this episode airs of the giant squid that they've received. They're frightening looking. They mm-hmm. look intelligent. Their eyes look intelligent. They're like looking at you and judging you. And a lot of those creatures that are down in the depths like that don't seem intelligent. They seem stupid and creepy and jagged Blind and gross. And, like, stay away. <laughs> These are terrifying. I did look for giant squid stories, but because they're so rare, it was very hard to find. Mm-hmm. The only story I found, I will read. Um, <laughs> probably, well, we'll see. I don't know. You decide for yourself whether you believe it is true or not. So there was this man that worked in an oil rig, and he worked there as a deep, submersive diver. And I don't know exactly what that meant that he did, but that he dove very far down. And it's one of those very dangerous diving mm-hmm. techniques. So he had dove. <laughs> and he said he felt something on his shoulder, but that... It was kind of normal because these oil rigs actually can serve as protection for some of the smaller fish. Okay. And because fish aren't particularly intelligent and because they don't see us all the time, they can get curious. So he, is, he assumed that there was a fish checking it out. So he felt it again. And of course he was, he was with his team, but he was behind a piece of equipment, so there's no eyewitnesses to this. He said when he felt it again, he turned around and there was a giant squid that was in the water with him and as he looked at it it began to like gyrate and change color almost like a jellyfish so it was changing its shape and its colors were kind of flashing through it he said it almost like put him in a trance which you can kind of see you know yeah. I've, I've stared at things like that when I've been confused or... And, yeah, your brain's still trying to compute what is happening. Yes. It's like if the fireflies SOS'd me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, he said he stared at it. And as it got closer to him, it slowed down. It's changing and it's, like, fluctuating. And as it got closer, it finally stopped and he felt like he was released from the trance. And then... It left, and he had, for a week, he had the worst headache he's ever had in his life. And unfortunately, he was left with a story that no one could corroborate, and a headache that lasts for a week. What's really interesting, is that a thing that these squid can do? (laughs) Just just imagining it, like, tapping on his shoulder. I (laughs) did the same. Hey, you. Hey, look at this cool trick. Watch me. And it, like, danced. But somehow it must be, it's like a... Party Like the toads that kids used to lick. And they don't, I don't think anybody (laughs) actually licked toads. But there's a Family Guy episode. But it's, all you have to do is, like, watch this dancing squid. (laughs) Hypnotoads. Yeah. (laughs) For Futurama. It, like drugs you and then he had like a 10 day hangover yes and the squid I just walked up and like tapped on the shoulder he's like look what my mom just taught me to do (laughs) party rocking in the house tonight (laughs) and and the squid thinks it's like a good buzz for the human he's like 
check out what I can do for you, man. <laughs> you are going to love this. <laughs> He's like the turtle from us. Nemo. <laughs> yes. Hang tight, man. <laughs> I love it. So, I don't know, like, did that guy see something? Was he sick from the deep water? Right. You know, was he making it up for attention? Was he crazy? Why had the headache <laughs> bit? If he was making it up. That's true. Like, I can't imagine being like, oh, I saw this miraculous, amazing, <laughs> like, once-in-a-lifetime creature. But I had this awful headache for, like, ten days. <laughs> and I, and you, you have to stick with that. So your wife's like, would you like to go out for dinner tonight? And you're like, more than anything, oh, no, I can't. I, I have a headache. awful <laughs> headache from that squid <laughs> that I totally saw. Nobody else did. Just me. Just because I was behind equipment. Yeah. That so I placed there on purpose. <laughs> and hid behind while I did drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, guy. I know you're probably listening. So this is a pretty big deal podcast. Yeah. You knew the minute we started talking about you and tuned in. So did this... This topic did take a real strange turn for me. I didn't expect to be talking about giant squid. Um, or that excited about <laughs> talking about giant squid. No, I knew squid. I would be excited. If I talked about orcas, I'd probably have to turn down my mic volume because I'd be screaming by the end of it. <laughs> It'd have to be just you that episode. Me and Katie. That's true. So We'd that. never get, like, it would never end. <laughs> the episode would continue forever. Just a continuous patreon level <laughs> the whale you're attached to us at all times the whale sagas <laughs> yeah so that is the story of the kraken um i don't know if i made it very clear but we assume and from old tales we figure that it's probably these giant squid that they mm -hmm. were seeing and it is hard to tell i mean they look in your bathtub put your hand under the water it grows. Yeah. So it might have looked as big as your ship. Doors and, and... Yeah. Changes sound. And, and if you're not feeling right, if you're lost and if you're doing out of your acid. mind... <laughs> exactly. I know that was really Sing popular. Dancing squid. In the 1700s. Obviously. <laughs> the oil rig guy was in 1700s, obviously. <laughs> then his story might be a little less credible. So I'm feeling pretty doped up. That was amazing. I am absolutely doped up. <laughs> More than the guy with the squid and the acid on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Check what I can do. That's what I'm going to dress as for Halloween. Uh, a a acid kraken? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From now on, all of our Halloween costumes have to be podcast approved. Are you, you could be a firefly <laughs> that eats eyeballs all night. We'll buy you candy eyeballs. <laughs> I'll just make Zach wear safety glasses. <laughs> all right. So, podcast so, friends podcast. and family, we love you. I'm not we crying. Do love you. I'm she crying is of crying. joy. <laughs> Don't let her lie to you. So, so thank you for joining the Dungeons and Dopamine podcast for week 14. Week 14! You can listen to week 14 and all of our podcasts anywhere you stream your podcasts and on YouTube. 
You can also find us and shout out at us on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. And you can reach out to us on any of those social medias. Plus, you can email us at dungeonsdopamine at yahoo.com. I believe Bree promised a shirt to any spectacular Bigfoot stories, which we have not received yet, so you're going to miss out. Yeah, I have a t-shirt to give away. So, Um, you know, step up. Get on it. (laughs) Dungeons and Dopamine is edited and published by Argyle Pigeon Productions, and we thank them very much. (laughs) They work hard. (laughs) We make them. Um, But thank you. Thank you. We love you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. You can't turn it off.